This is the Consumed Podcast, featuring conversations with the eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers of California's Central Coast. I'm a food writer and your host, Jamie Lewis. Before we get to the guest, I want to tell you about an event I'm hosting in collaboration with At Her Table, a food festival that celebrates women. The live event is called Apron Strings, a conversation about motherhood and the hospitality industry. And it's happening Tuesday, March 7th from 6 to 8 p.m. at There Does Not Exist Brewing in San Luis Obispo. In this live podcast recording, I'll speak with four mothers who own restaurants, Fabian Tefera of Ebony Slow, Brittany Gonzalez of Central Coast Tacos, Shani Covey of Luna Red and Robin's Restaurant, and Sam Whitaker of Bing's Bao Buns. And we want you in the audience. Admission is free, but you need to RSVP to claim your seat. Head to letsgetconsumed.com slash events for more info and a link to that RSVP. Thanks. I also want to give a shout out to some of the Consumed Podcast sponsors. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Rancho Steanoveros and Native Nine Wine are excited to announce they've reopened wine-tasting hospitality in Santa Barbara County, and they're currently taking reservations for private tasting and tours. These are hosted by the winery's new brand ambassador and educator, Wes Hagen, a 30-year veteran of Santa Barbara wine growing and winemaking. His tours are the stuff of legends. If you're ready for a dive into the greater wisdom and fun of Santa Barbara wine, a deep tasting of many vintages and wines in a picturesque setting with world-class hospitality, salami, and bread, you need to come experience this. Tastings and tours are $50 per person, a fee that's 100% refundable through a wine purchase or by joining the wine club. Get a reservation by texting Wes at 805-450-2324. Rancho de Anaveros is also having an open house in Los Alamos on Friday, April 21st from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. For $30 per person, you'll get wine, stories, and history. 
Come experience this winery designated by Wine & Spirits magazine as one of the top 100 wineries in the world. For more information, visit ranchosdeonaveros.com. Okay, on to the episode. In the last year, the restaurant at Justin Vineyard & Winery in Paso Robles has received massive accolades, including a Michelin star and a five-star recognition in Forbes Travel Guide's 2023 Star Awards. Such are the results of the culinary team's efforts, spearheaded by chef Rachel Hagstrom. A native of Temecula, Rachel knew she wanted to cook when she first read about chef Thomas Keller in high school. Little did she know she'd wind up working in his kitchen at the French Laundry a handful of years later. We chatted about the precision of plucking leaves for garnish, quiet kitchens, and IKEA efficiency. Here's Chef Rachel Hagstrom. So fun to have you here, and I just thanked you from the bottom of my heart for driving down um, to do this. And I guess you live in Templeton, so it's not too bad of a drive. No, and this is a cute little area that I haven't actually been in, so yeah. it's fun to explore something new. Yeah, it's kind of an older neighborhood Um it's Almond Street. Oh, I've never revealed that before. I, <laughs> I doubt there's hordes of people trying to get over here. But that is the last almond tree on Almond Street, and it's flowering right now. It's blossoming, and it's just, I don't know. There's something sweet and old school about yeah, this neighborhood. Is. Yeah, Once the world's capital of almonds. I Wait, San Luis was? Uh, well, Paso area was, so I can only assume that some a lot of almonds were grown down here too oh my gosh i didn't realize that i wonder why that ended because there's a lot of almonds out in the central valley yeah um do you know why i think they i read something about production and getting them out as well as i think they crafted on peach rootstock and then that wasn't sustainable long term and wow there was a plethora of small issues yeah yeah. And not to mention getting things out of here, distributing things from here is tough. I know. Sometimes. Yeah. Still. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so you are at the restaurant at Justin. Yes. And you've been there how long? Almost four years now. Okay. So you came right before COVID. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Just when we thought things were going along swimmingly and we were making all these great strides and then yeah. the world stopped. The world stopped. How long was the restaurant closed for? Oh, gosh. Well, we closed in March and we reopened in July. So, Oh, that's not too bad, no, actually. Not. Then we had, a several, we had a couple little shutdowns with yeah. fires and another COVID shutdown. But Oh, my gosh, the fires. I think mm-hmm. I've... I think I've repressed a lot of those memories. The fires, the heat wave, and the COVID all in the same day. Yeah, it was quite the year. It was quite the year. Oh, my gosh. Well, where did you come from before you came to Justin? I was in Orange County at a resort called Balboa Bay Resort. Mm-hmm. And I was actually doing wine dinners. We had a series of wine dinners that we would do throughout the year, mm-hmm. one of which was Justin. Uh-huh. So that's, that's how you got familiar it's how I became familiar with the fact that they had a culinary program at the winery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, were you heading up a kitchen in at the 
OC restaurant? Yeah, I was running the resort, so I was responsible for three restaurants and all of the wow. banquets and catering okay. that we did. So this is a smaller operation. Than it's smaller, but it doesn't always feel like it's smaller. <laughs> How so? We still have a lot of moving parts because we have the inn, we do events, we have mm-hmm. the downtown location. Right. I forget about that. Yes. A lot of people do. Which you oversee as well. Yes. Yeah. And we have a chocolate program now too, which we started in the last few years. What is that? So um, our pastry chef makes these beautiful handmade little chocolate bonbons and they're all hand painted and crafted. And we started off by doing a wine pairing. So you can do a wine pairing paired with the chocolates. Mm -hmm. Um, They're also boxed and sold on property. And now you can buy them online as well. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah. Who is that pastry chef? Her name is Sari Music. Oh my gosh, that's a great name. Yeah, it is. Sari Music uh-huh. and her chocolates. Sounds are like- divine. Oh. They are the best. And I'm, I might be biased, but they are definitely the best. Well, if you're saying that, <laughs> I would trust you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Ra- Rachel Hagstrom, who now with the Justin restaurant has a Michelin star and yes. just today, what was it again? I- Forbes five star as well. Forbes Five Star uh, announced today um, in uh, for excellence in hospitality. And the restaurant at Justin is one of nine new five-star restaurants globally to earn this recognition and the only restaurant in California to receive this accolade for the first time in 2023. My, at like, how does... Well, look, we, we know that it comes from excellence and from getting the word out, but maybe tell me when you hear that, let's say the day that you found out you got a Michelin star, tell me what that felt like. (laughs) Oh God, that was a whirlwind of emotions. Mm. Um, Excitement, surprise. Sometimes I wonder why we were so surprised given that we were invited to the ceremony. Surely that means you're going to receive some sort of accolade. Nonetheless, you're still overwhelmed with just, uh, I remember just being blown away. Yeah. It was kind of like a whirlwind. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Well, it's such a huge deal for this area. It's a big deal in this area. When I moved here, it wasn't something that was on my radar. I didn't expect to come here and head a Michelin star restaurant. I didn't think Michelin would come here maybe five, 10 years, but yeah, I didn't, it wasn't part of my plan. Mm-hmm. So it's a great surprise. Yeah. I think they're making, I think, I don't know this for sure, but I think they're trying to make more efforts to be geographically diverse, Um, you know, to get their fingers into more different areas, because there's a lot of good things happening outside of New York, uh, Chicago, uh, Miami, Houston, and Napa. And San Francisco, you know, there's a lot of other stuff happening. Yeah. And I think the food scene's really growing here in the central coast, which is exciting to be a part of. Totally. Um, when did you know that you wanted to work in the service industry? Hmm. Um, I had an itch starting in high school and think that it was, a. Uh, not encouraged in my family wasn't necessarily something it's a tough industry I don't think most of us want our kids to go into Mm -hmm. industries where they might struggle in or you know work crazy hours so I had that itch I had that calling but I did do the traditional route and went to UCSB and Mm -hmm. I just kind couldn't shake the desire to want to go and cook and so after that I pursued cooking I got a job in a restaurant and 
still wanted to do it. So went to culinary school in San Francisco mm-hmm. and continued on. And here I am today. Yeah. That's so. awesome. When you say that you wanted to get into food, I mean, you must have been a, a good eater. You must have grown up in a household that that celebrated eating or Yes and good no. My, my family definitely has always appreciated eating and um, dining together and yeah. home-cooked meals. I grew up on an orchard, so we had a lot of fruits and vegetables and things at our disposal. Yeah. Um, one of the natural questions as a child is, how do you eat this and what do you do with it? Mm. And baking and doing things with my grandma who lived right next door to us. It, all of that just sort of evolved and took on its own life. Where, what city or town did you grow up in? In Temecula. Oh, you did. That's yeah. another city in transition for sure. Yeah, I feel like they've transitioned. They're quite busy. It's yeah. definitely very different than what I remember mm-hmm. without disclosing how old I am. It was a really small town and yeah. there was one stoplight and it was mostly citrus and avocados and horses and then yeah. it became grapes. So Paso sort of reminds me of that small town country yeah. feeling that I grew up with. So. Yeah, there is a quality there of like a... I mean, like a frontier town, you know, that then finds um, a lot of success with grape growing. And the fact that, okay, so you can grow a lot of citrus, a lot of avocados, you know, almonds, whatever. And that doesn't, you don't identify with that quite the same way you identify with uh, being a wine and grape growing region. Correct. Actually, citrus and avocados is hard in Paso, um, mm-hmm. depending on, because we get so much frost. Yeah. Um, we do have several, I think we have close to 50 acres of orchards on one of our properties, some of which is citrus. Mm-hmm. Um, it faces the south, so that was kind of exciting for me. Yeah. But a lot of stone fruits and apples and persimmons. Yes. Right. Things of that nature. Well, and it's funny, we're sitting at this table with oranges from our tree. I'll send you home with some because they, we, that tree is unbelievable how many oranges it has on it. And then you look up and down the street and they're, you know, San Luis is citrus city for sure. Yeah. You guys are here. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> and it's crazy. Our county is so diverse that you just go over the hill and that's what you have here. And then you go along the coast and you have different kinds of things there, but it is a really diverse geographically and climate wise place. Which is one of the things that was exciting for me as a culinary person to be able to have all of this at your disposal. Yeah. Um, And you know, it's fresh and it's beautiful and you're eating it the way it's meant to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why our food is so special and appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so you grew up cooking, you know, at the elbow of your grandmother. You ended up at UCSB for, what did you study there? I studied law and society. <gasps> really? Yeah. That's not easy. No, but if I was going to sit down and have a normal job, that was probably going that to was be an my attorney? interest. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. How do you think that that overlaps with what you do? What are the skills or like, what's the interest? I don't know, but there's a lot of determination and hard work in either career <laughs> path. So, Yeah, determination for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you were going to do that and you graduated with that degree. Mm-hmm. But then you decided you wanted to go into culinary. So did you go to the California Culinary? I did in, in San, San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah, okay. At where At what point did you decide you wanted to do fine dining? 
Oh, great question. I don't really know. I don't think anyone's asked me that. I remember before I went to culinary school and when I was in high school, reading all these articles about this emerging chef, Thomas Keller. Mm. And, you know, that just seemed so exciting to me at the time. Mm. It was exciting, but it was also obviously formed because I was a high school kid. What do you know about fine dining? You're reading about Thomas Keller as a high school kid. That's amazing. My mom had a lot of culinary-driven magazines around. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was fun. And I like to try and cook out of them. Most of the time it wasn't successful, but you got to <laughs> learn and start somewhere. Yeah. And I really had a passion in, for restaurants. And I thought that that was going to be my career working in restaurants. And then one of my jobs in a restaurant happened to be in a hotel. Mm-hmm. And I found myself on this trajectory of hotels for a while. Mm-hmm. And Justin has kind of been that nice hybrid of yeah, going back to a restaurant-driven environment, but mm-hmm. still having enough other things to keep me busy. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point, that Justin is not only a restaurant. It's multiple. It, it really does face lots of different directions. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so in thinking about... Um, you know, going into fine dining, what, where did you start? What was your first job in hospitality? My first job in hospitality was a restaurant in Temecula. In high school. Or in something. high school. Uh-huh. And when I moved to San Francisco, my first city job was at Post Rio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, you could do worse than that. Yeah. And for those of us <laughs> of a certain age group, remember that restaurant because yeah. it was a while ago. Yeah. And I worked there while going to culinary school. Okay. And is that where you did like your externship? I did that at the French Laundry. So you did get to hang out with Thomas Keller. Yeah, I, eventually I did. Yeah. That is circle. fun. And moved to that little town, Yontville, and was working there. And I was young and itching to get back to the city. and. Mm. Went back to the city, and that's where I worked at the dining room, which was in the Ritz-Carlton in the hotel. Okay. And working in that restaurant, I really felt like I thrived and enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I moved to Sweden after that. So when I was moving back to America, I found myself with a lot of connections with chefs that were in hotels oh, from yes. the Ritz-Carlton. and. Ended up in Orange County working at a hotel, and mm-hmm. one thing led to another. And In Sweden, re- I'm dying to go to Sweden. It's definitely, my husband doesn't have a lot of interest in going, even though he's like hugely Swedish um, culturally, but um, I really, really want to go to it's, Stockholm. It's a beautiful city, yeah. and I really didn't have any interest either until I married a Swedish guy. So. Oh, you married? Swedish guy. Okay, so you went, did you meet here in the U.S.? No, actually we met on vacation in Thailand. Oh my gosh. Our restaurant used to close a couple times a year, two Mm -hmm. weeks in the summer and two weeks in January. And one of those two weeks I went to Thailand and the Swedes vacation in Thailand like we vacation in Mexico or Hawaii. So Really? Yeah. Yeah. Even though that's very far away. Well, we got to get away from the cold Nordic. Yeah. 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 Well, so was he on vacation? Um, he was on vacation too with his friends, and I was on vacation with my friends. Were you sitting on the beach or something together, and you happened to chat? 
Kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh-huh. And then, so did you, when you went to Sweden, did you get a hotel job as well? Because you had a network of people, or were you not working? I worked a little bit there, and I did have a restaurant job. His family's in the restaurant industry, oh, which cool. I think is why he's so understanding of mm. my strange work life yeah. style. And yeah, so he helped me get a job or his family helped me get a job there. That's awesome. What was the kitchen culture like there? How was it different from kitchens you'd been in before? I remember thinking the most difference was the way that they're physically built. Are, they're pretty tall, right? They're tall, but the way that the the equipment was and the way that the physical walls and floors were and hoses and just all of these different weird things from mechanical of operating in a kitchen. Um, I felt like they were more efficient and easier to clean. Well, I mean, you know, I think about Ikea. Yeah. It translates. uh, It's this, it is, it really does translate like efficiency. Things are well built, but, but the efficiency and like the, the intense, um, user friendliness of things. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, there's something I'm very attracted to about. Well, I go in IKEA. Not that IKEA is Sweden, okay? Like I, I get that it's not the same thing, but you kind of get high on how beautifully laid out things are, how smart they are, making the most of something small. Um, but then also, I mean, uh, the Scandinavian food is having a moment too. It certainly is. And it's pretty exciting to watch Mm -hmm. because I feel like it was always French, Italian cuisine, and that's where you traveled and vacationed. And now Scandinavia is kind of on everybody's radar. Yeah, I love that. And I love that it focuses, you know, I'm thinking of Noma, but the focus on real regional ingredients, um, which, you know, I don't, like you say, it was always kind of a French Western European um, ideal, but to focus on your own ingredients is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, so you wound up at the French Laundry. How long were you there? Only about six months, okay. I would say. Yeah. yeah. And what was that kitchen like? Extremely intense. <laughs> I was going to say, as was everybody it would expect. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, very intense. One of my big takeaways there was the importance of team members because you would expect in a restaurant like that they're just glorifying the people on top but everyone from the dishwasher to the chef and everyone in between um treating everyone with the same level of respect and courtesy was was a big deal mm. um obviously precision and technique goes without saying in a restaurant like that yeah but you learn a lot in a short amount short amount of time and it was a great experience. Yeah. What was your station for the most part there? Prep. Yeah. They make you start at the bottom and work your way. Yeah. Did you get anything rejected? <laughs> oh, yeah. You got you. <laughs> yes, of course. I'd yeah. be disappointed if you said no. Yeah. You learn to grow a thick skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Can you give me an example of something that got rejected? Oh, gosh. Um, I remember picking leaves for a garnish, for example, which seems really mundane, but if they weren't, if 
if one of those leaves for the garnish had been eaten by a beetle and there was a small imperfection and you didn't discard it, it was like, how could you miss that? Or Mm -hmm. you were looking for things that were exactly the same size or as close Mm -hmm. to it as possible. Um, Yeah, so I remember something as silly as that. But a lot of it was timing, too. This Mm -hmm. is a five-minute project, 10-minute project, 20-minute project. Um, And if you do it in not the right amount of time? Yeah. Wow. Um, you're talking about leaves for garnish. Um, I, I've shared this before, but, um, my husband and I were living in Italy and working on an agriturismo and it had a restaurant. It was really hard and really like just a wonderful experience really woke me up to the difference between not just different cultures, but different households, how they what they think of as quality. And, you know, me in the kitchen, I mean, you would just cry to watch me with a knife. I just hack at stuff. Everything's uneven. Throw it in the pot, whatever. Um, I never worked the line anywhere. Just I'm a home cook, like through and through, and often a lazy one. But when we went there, this agriturismo, they needed somebody to help in the um, bed and breakfast kitchen. And I was just itching to get in there. And the grandmother kind of oversaw everything. And she was so hardcore and discriminating. Tiny, tiny little lady. And the only job she trusted me with was Hmm. picking the parsley leaves off the stem. (laughs) And I thought, this is BS. (laughs) Anybody can do this. You can train a monkey to do this. Well... I, you know, as I'm picking them off, the little rim where the stem meets the leaf, if it wasn't perfect, get out of here. She was like, I can't even, I can't even give you this job. Mm -hmm. So it's just so humbling when, um, you don't realize to what degree someone means take the, the leaves off the stem, you know? Right. Right. It's true. So the difference between just doing a job and doing it perfect. And yeah. there's, there's a lot of leeway in between there. So totally. Yeah. Um, did you see the movie, the menu? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. I've heard all about it and it's on my radar. It's funny to ask a chef or somebody in a restaurant if they've seen a movie. Cause they're like, no, obviously not. I've been working at night, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you've got to see it. Yes. And some rent is some of the people I work with have told me it's good. So yeah, it's, it's very tongue in cheek, a lot of it. Um, but, uh, there's a culture there that the kitchen is perfectly silent. Have you worked in kitchens where it was perfectly silent? Personally, I like that. And that's I, do, I, would I too. thrive, yeah. but it's hard for me because not everybody else is like that. So yeah. When it's service time, I don't allow any music. Yeah. But if they're prepping and they can manage it, then it's okay. Yeah. The challenge is also if people don't listen to the same music, is it is it totally. good or is it bad? Um, and it's not everyone wants perfect silence to be left in their own head. But I, for me, yeah. I, if I did what you do, I would want it to be quiet. I can't concentrate. That's how I am. You have to be on. Yeah. When you're doing that. Yeah. Um, how big is your team at Justin? So your living room is probably bigger than our kitchen. Really? Um, yeah. It's wow. very small. So I wish I had a bigger team, but we wouldn't have anywhere to put them. Yeah. Yeah. At dinner, we have th- three, 
four with our four people with our dishwasher and we have the same in the morning and we have a pastry program of two. Yeah. And are they in there when you're not there? Um, to a certain extent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first person arrives in the kitchen at seven thirty. Okay. Wow. And service is, um, you're only open certain days of the week. Right. So lunch we're doing for the winery, for the tasting yeah. room. And, well, I guess going backwards, the reason why some of the cooks are there so early is because we have an inn. So if you stay at the inn, right. breakfast is included. So right. oh, it is a seven-day-a-week operation, even though we're doing lunch four days a week. And actually, we're going to be doing dinner four days a week. We start next week with dinner on Sundays as well. Yeah. I think we're coming in. We tried to schedule it so that I could dine with you before um, having you over to talk, but it just schedule wise, it didn't work out. So I'm coming up sometime in the next couple of weeks and I'm so excited. Yeah. So one of the good things, but challenging things as you've realized is the rest reservations are booking up. So yeah. if you're not planning a month in advance, there's just not a lot of availability and it's a very small restaurant too. We don't have a lot of seating. So mm. Yeah. It books up quickly. When the guys from Six Test Kitchen came on, they had just gotten their Michelin star. And apparently it's like, you really do have to look months in advance to get seating. So it's a wonderful thing and also probably a frustrating thing. You can't get more people in. Right. From the business standpoint. From the business standpoint. You're like, how can we seat all these people? But... Yeah. When you're at capacity, you're at capacity. Totally. Well, let me ask you a question that might be hard to answer. Um, why do you think you've gotten this far? Like what, what's a quality of yours? I know you'll say determination because you mentioned that before, but what, why do you think you've succeeded thus far? I think two things, and I told the team yesterday when we told her, I shared this with the team when we mentioned that we were getting the Forbes five-star, and I told them what separates them from everyone else's passion. Anybody can work hard, but if you have the passion to push yourself to do better every single time and you love what you do, that's kind of what translates into something different and unique Mm -hmm. because you can't teach passion and not everybody's passionate about hospitality or cooking. Mm -hmm. So if you don't love what you do, especially in an industry that's already innately challenging, Mm -hmm. then you just don't translate that love and into the food. Yeah. I've heard before, and let's see if you agree. I've heard before that if you're hiring somebody, which is an art unto its own, um, even if they don't necessarily have the skill or they're not at the skill level that you're hiring for, you can take a chance on hiring them if they have the passion, the drive, the heart, um, the qual- you know, personality qualities Yeah, that that will you know, cover a multitude of sins and bring somebody up maybe to a higher skill level. It's absolutely true because if somebody doesn't have the willingness to change or to receive constructive criticism or to adapt, mm-hmm. then what you can't grow, you can't improve, mm-hmm. and you probably can't work well with others. And working in a kitchen or a restaurant is definitely a team environment. So we all have bad days and not one of us can do our job if the other one isn't successful. So, um, 
you have to be able to communicate the good and the bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't like focusing on gender in hospitality, but it is a factor. Um, actually, you'd know better than I do. Is it a factor? Yes, I think it's certainly changing, obviously. Yeah. Um, that being said, I've had a lot of cooks through the years who have told me I've never had a female chef before. Yeah. And I don't think about it because I don't see myself any different than the rest of the people in the kitchen. Yeah. That being said, as I get older and now that I'm a mom, I realize, well, how do you struggle all of balance all of these things? And I think that's the, that's the biggest challenge, no matter what industry we're in is having a spouse that can, partner and support you in whatever you're doing, um, with your career. Yeah. I, that's a good answer. And I didn't know you were a mom. How many kids do you have? Just one. Cause I'm very busy. <laughs> <laughs> one is a yeah. lot. One is plenty. Yeah. yeah. One 10 year old girl. Oh, I have a 10 year old girl. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Born in 2012. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that does change things. It, mm-hmm. uh, it, it does. Um, talking about motherhood in the service industry is, uh, it's different than talking about motherhood in almost any other industry because it's just all on all the time. Um, there isn't much flexibility. Um, or, you know, I'm telling you things that you should probably be telling me. Is that true? No, you're absolutely right. And I was laughing the other day cause I was watching a movie or what, what was I doing with my daughter? But she said something along the lines is it should be a crime to be open on Christmas day. Oh. And I said, you don't realize that I've worked every single Christmas up until I think I started working at Justin. Oh, wow. And she had no idea mm. because in the morning before I went in or on the 24th when we celebrated the Swedish Christmas, she, they're kids, they're oblivious as long as you give them your time, right? <laughs> yeah. She didn't realize the different days of the week if I had to pretend. Yeah, yeah. So, so is the magic of, of raising a child while being um, a chef having that partnership with your husband? Oh, yeah, I don't think there's any other way. Yeah, yeah. What's his schedule like? What is he up to? He's doing all of the things, dropping off, picking up, mm-hmm. homework. Yeah. All yeah. of those things. You probably get mornings with her. I do. So I try to always drop off, and that's sort of our one on one time. Um, working in the hotels was different. You always have meetings and stuff in the mornings, right. and I still have meetings today. And one of the things I like about working early is. If you get there before everyone else, you can get a lot of stuff done. Yeah, yeah. I so. know. I love morning. I love mornings. Yeah. Do you think that she, because of what you do, do you think she'll grow up with a different lens on her opportunities than you did, say, growing up? She definitely has a palette that I never had as really? a child. But my mom was a pretty hard-working, determined woman, and yeah. I realized that there's a lineage of that in my family. So mm-hmm. I don't know if she'll look at that differently than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. That's yeah, it is cool. kind of unique, I think, when I say that out loud and realize it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. fact that it was normalized for you is normalized for her and so on. That's pretty cool. Did you grow up with siblings? I have a brother, a younger brother. Okay. Do you think being firstborn has anything to do with determination? 
Probably. <laughs> Probably <laughs> That's does. That's coming from a firstborn. Yeah. yeah. We think that we're so great. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there's something about that for sure. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. the protective strong one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where do you want to see Justin in the kitchen program there? Where do you want to see it go? I mean, like what's next? Well, we've grown, outgrown our space. Yeah. So part of us not just taking on more customers and being able to grow professionally and try to do new things in the kitchen and create new experiences, mm-hmm. we need some space and tools to do that. So our next hope is to increase our capacity and come up with some new fun experiences and continue to grow, not just with the accolades, but mm-hmm. more importantly, growing with what we're doing and what we can offer the guest and pushing the boundaries in a hospitality and in the culinary and mm-hmm. It's becoming a destination food-wise, and that was my goal when I started four years ago. So, yeah, I guess I need to come up with a new goal. Um, not just, That's amazing. Yeah. How cool to, you know, recognize that and celebrate it. So that was my goal was to put it on the map for food, not mm-hmm. just for wine, and feel like we're finally kind of did that. I shouldn't say finally because a lot's happened in four years and it's a pretty big deal, but, um, but wine, I mean, Justin has been mostly about wine. I think that's what it's been. And it always will be. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how much I want to be the restaurant to be in the limelight, right? (laughs) It will always be about wine. Yeah. And it is, and our customers will continue to come for wine. And Mm -hmm. now we have customers coming for food too, which is, for me exciting and Mm -hmm. it's symbiotic to eat and drink wine so totally one will continue to benefit the other yeah how are you mentioned that the um that the the inn you know countryside and then the downtown paso um tasting room and restaurant are different how do you say that how do you think they're different well how were they designed different the downtown is um very modern Mm-hmm. in its feel, whereas the estate feels a little more of a country chic. Mm-hmm. And also the menu downtown is more of a steakhouse American feel to it. Oh, okay. Whereas the menu at the estate, whether it's lunch at the tasting room or dinner, is more... It's more like a tasting menu. Dinner is a 100% tasting menu. Okay. So there's not a lot of decisions to make besides, mm-hmm. do I want to get the extra cheese course and do I want to do a wine pairing? Um, <laughs> the answer is yes and yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. So downtown is all a la carte. Okay. I didn't So you can that. come in there and have a salad or a steak mm-hmm. and a glass of wine and you can just kind of enjoy yourself. Whereas yeah. dinner is a longer experience at the estate. That's so fun. Yeah. We're looking forward to that a lot. Um, what is a favorite pairing of yours? What's something that just really works with a specific Justin wine? Oh, gosh. Well, in general, I love crudos with citrus and avocado. That's mm. just like 
something that sings to me. Yeah. And usually, whether it's the Sauve Blanc or the Rosé, but generally the Sauve Blanc. And that's the beginning of the pairing in the menu at Justin mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good way to open. Yeah. Bright, um, lots of acid. And yeah, I love that. Um, tell me about your off time. What do you, I mean, you live in Templeton. Do you like ride horses or <laughs> tractors or anything like that? No. I don't mean to somebody paint it would into have, a corner. Somebody would have to take care of those horses, right? <laughs> Great point. Yeah. Um, I did as a kid, but in Templeton, no, I, I garden. Yeah. So fruits and vegetables, yes, but I love to garden with flowers I have a lot of flowers in the backyard and mm-hmm. it's almost spring so that's exciting yeah um I spend a lot I try to spend my time with my daughter so yeah. whether that means painting our nails painting a painting mm-hmm. riding our bikes um something like that that's awesome do you feel like you take your work home with you I've I that's a struggle and I think I've gotten better at it mm-hmm. um but I have to practice that. Yeah. 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 That's, it's, I appreciate your honesty about mm-hmm. that. It's, um, I mean, I work at home. Mm-hmm. So my work is always at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm just, I'm really not that great at it in terms of separating, you know, the time I spend with my kids. Right. Being fully present is really hard. Right. And you think you're multitasking by answering an email or something and your kids don't see it that way. No, no, it's true. Yeah. And I need to set a better example. We noticed, I think it was just this past weekend that all four of us, our our kids don't have phones, but they have our old phones and they listen to music and stuff on them. And, um, I realized all four of us were sitting on our phones at one point and I just thought, you know, that doesn't come from nowhere. It's cause my husband and I, especially me, um, I, I work in the media. So I, that's just where it lives is on my phone a lot of the time. So yeah, it's hard to set that example. It is. Yeah. Are you on your phone a lot? Yeah. And I realized listening to you that I like to look at Instagram too, because you can follow restaurants from all around the world and feel connected. Right. And see what's happening. And I realize I need to not do that in front of my daughter or I do it with her and we're like, look at this. And we're inspired to bake something together. But yeah, I definitely try to limit that with her. Yeah. You raise a good point though, actually sitting together mm-hmm. and looking at things. I mean, not exclusively, obviously not every day, all day. Um, but like bringing my kids into my world of, you know, checking this out, looking at recipes. Um, yeah, that's good. That, that it's kind of like sitting and watching something together, engaging with it shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me about a really, Oh gosh, that's so funny. I wasn't going to ask that, but it just popped into my mind without naming, obviously any names. Tell me about a really bad meal you had one time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. And it might've been bad because of who you were with or like circumstances or whatever. But can you think of a time that something was just really, you're just like, Oh, this is horrible. Yeah, I can. And it was a relatively new place when I went. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, maybe it's because it's new. Yeah. And 
you always have high hopes because you're looking to find like a great place that you can go to all of the time mm-hmm. and super cute place, really cute ambiance and really wanted to love it. And then it just got harder and harder as yeah. the meal went on, oh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think we've all had that. Yeah. Meal. Do you, when you go to a new place, are you rooting for them? Like just, you know, inside are you just like, Yes, but there's like two sides of me. There's the very skeptical side. Mm -hmm. And then there's the part that, yeah, I I really, because I want the food in the Central Coast and in Paso Mm -hmm. to continue to evolve and be great. From the perspective of it's great for the community as a whole Mm -hmm. to become a destination, all of us get better. Our cooks, the chefs, the industry, the front of the house. And then there's this selfish person that just wants to go dine everywhere when I have time. Yeah, right, so, right. Um, yeah, I, I want it. I want everyone to be doing good. Yeah, good answer. Um, speaking of front of house and wanting, you know, wanting a quality level um, on the central coast, which is developing. You know, it is. it's fully it's developing. exciting to see. Um, I've heard before that it is sometimes hard to find trained staff for front of house that, um, it doesn't happen by accident. Do you guys have a training program there for front of house that's, you know, developing? It is developing and we have somebody that's in charge of education now that we didn't necessarily have. And this person was instrumental in Jason, his name is instrumental in Forbes and supporting in the training process there. And, Mm -hmm. Supporting in the restaurant when we've had staffing issues, um, really great partner in that. And so we're definitely trying to build that. Yeah. It's easier said than done because in hospitality, everyone's running around, you know, doing so many different things. Yeah. And honestly, the, the tasting room and the program there, because they're serving lunch, is sort of becoming the training ground for the restaurant and dinner. Um, We have one person on our team that's been there since before I started, and she's amazing. Hmm. But two of our other servers, they started in the tasting room, and they've grown into dinner. And That's awesome. It's because they're passionate and they're dedicated that they're able to continue to grow. Yeah, that is Or they want to grow, too. Not everybody wants to do that because it's, they're both challenging just in yeah. different ways. And you have to have, be flexible with the nighttime schedule too, which yes. is also challenging. Yeah, for sure. Well, tell me about a meal that you had that was just extraordinary. Oh, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. But on Monday, I went to Dow. Oh, yes. And Are they, they serving? They have a new chef that's been okay. there, I don't know, a month or two. Yeah. Very new. And... I had a great meal there, so it was really exciting. Oh, that's fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, I got to get up there. I don't get over the hill as much as I should. Are you in San Luis very often? No, and it's the same thing. You kind of create your habits, right? And I don't even, I drive the same way to work, and very rarely do I go the other way, too. So in some ways, I'm a creature of habit, but at work, I have to be adaptable. That's a long-ish drive out to um, the estate. What do you do on that drive? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you have silence? Do you have music? All of the above. Yeah. Um, When I lived in Orange County, that was the commute without traffic. 
So oh when God. I moved here, I was like, this is the most beautiful drive ever. There's only <laughs> one stop sign. Yeah. And the pros and cons, depending on how you look at it, is you don't have self-service. Right. So you either drive in silence, which I do a lot at nighttime because you just need... Coming down. Yeah. Yeah. But I do listen to podcasts too. Mm -hmm. And I listen to music Mm -hmm. depending on my mood and where I need to be. If I need to pick me up for her. Yeah. Just want to listen to something. Yeah. What podcast do you listen to? I listen to some history stuff, Mm -hmm. um, mostly history and Mm -hmm. yeah, mostly history right now. I'm listening to a podcast on dictators. So look at you. Um, I'm not food related at all. And it sounds a little harsh, but <laughs> it's really interesting. And yeah. it talks about people from all around the world and t- obviously ties in a lot of history too. Yeah. I love history too. I didn't appreciate it as much when I, as I've gotten older, I've appreciated it so much more. Yeah. Um, well, if it was the last day you were on earth and you were like, you know what, I've had such a good time here. Um, and I feel like I've done everything I set out to do, met those goals, loved people well. Um, what would you want to eat and what would you want to drink and who would you want to be there? Oh, goodness. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and this would probably change based on my mood, but. Um, and it would. It totally yeah. would. I mean, I probably, yeah, would have my husband and daughter there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably have a glass of Sancerre. That's, that is, <laughs> that is my That's best bed wine. That's your favorite too? hundred percent. I love, so you love like those crisp green apple I do. acidity, same. Yeah. Totally. And then, so it's like I'm saying this and I'd probably have an avocado citrus salad and mm. I'd probably move on to a really creamy, fatty cheese you know a triple cream cheese and a beautiful baguette it'd be really simple it wouldn't be something too fancy it's amazing how often the answer to that is a baguette honest to god it's just like uh maybe we should start thinking of it as our medicine because it just it's it like touches something special yeah yeah well that sounds pretty great that sounds pretty great. Thank you so much for taking time out of what's a totally busy schedule um, and from your family to come and chat and share who you are. Thank you for having me. It was nice to get to know you yeah, a little same. bit as well. Same. That's a wrap for this episode of Consumed. Thanks so much to Chris Lambert, who edits the podcast, and to you for listening. If you want more info about Consumed or any of my guests, visit letsgetconsumed.com. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.